your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 264 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And even when the Ottawa Senators lose, the Sen Sickos still prevail. Even though the 7-3 score was in Calgary's favor, it's been announced this morning that Jeff Ward has been relieved of his duties. If you're scoring at home, the Sens have only played Montreal and Calgary since Claude Julien was the head coach in Montreal. And now both teams that they've played have replaced their head coach. We'll tell you what the common denominator of that theme is. We'll get into a porous defensive effort that started early and was not maintained. But there was a bright spot, and it was a second tour of duty. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, March 5th, the happy 23rd birthday to Logan Brown, 23, hardly a prospect anymore. Lots of Belleville talk later in the episode, but Pilsy, last night in Calgary, Ottawa's record falls to 8-16-1, and And just like it happened on the weekend, two goals against so early. What is up with these early deficits? Yeah, it's tough. It seems like with the Ottawa Senators, like you can tell what kind of game they're going to have in the first three minutes of that first period. Like either it's going to go all right or it's going to be absolutely terrible because I don't know what it is about the starts of their games. They just, they can't get that crucial save on that first shift that the other team has in the Ozone and then things kind of fall apart. And it seems like we talk a lot about these momentum goals, Ross, and It seems like they're constantly happening against the Senators, either at the start of a period, right after a goal, or at the end of a period. It's always happening to the Ottawa Senators, and that just ruins any momentum they have, and it makes coming back from three quick goals really tough to do. Is this a game that you chalk up to with travel, and Ottawa had to play that extra game in between? Whereas Calgary, they just played in Ottawa, came home, they've been practicing, and and waiting for Ottawa to play in Montreal and then fly out there? Or is that just a poor excuse for uh, lack of execution, especially early? I mean, there could be some truth to it, right? But every single team is going to have these little windows where they're going to say the schedule ruined us this season in the COVID season where all these games are smashed together. I said it last episode, there's four back-to-backs in the month of March alone. Like that is unheard of in a regular NHL season to have four back-to-backs in one month. So this is going to happen to every team at some point in this season. So sure, maybe there's some truth to it, but it's not a good excuse. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that every NHL team, even in Cal- in Ottawa, Calgary was talking about how they had been playing a lot of hockey, and maybe that's the reason why they weren't as successful in that three-game series. But let's dive in to the scoring on this one. Like two goals in, in a span of less than a minute. And the defensive zone coverage. I mean, that's going to be the overriding theme of this show. There's just like Braden Coburn minus three. Who saw that coming, right? And then... That second goal I really want to touch on because 
wow. Actually, no, it was the Monaghan goal that where it was like, wow, the unassisted. He was just going right down Main Street. But let's focus. It was Brett Ritchie first, Dylan Dubé. Let's clump those two in. What did you see on those? Well, what I can tell you right off the bat is Zaitsev and Coburn can never be paired together ever, ever ever again they were a dash three before you even had your second beer of the game going like this these two were just atrocious together and obviously we're a goalie friendly show and maybe you get sick of me saying all these goals aren't necessarily the goalie's fault some of them murray should have saved they were nice shots but you'd like to have your starting goaltender who makes over six million a year get a piece of those but what i want you to do is watch this condensed game and on each of the goals Pinpoint where both of the defensemen are. Because often in all, almost all seven of the goals that the Calgary Flames scored last night's game, two defensemen were both chasing the puck and someone was left open and that led to an easy goal. Now, that third goal, that's, that's really what I want to get into, Ross, because I don't think I've seen worse defense all season long from the Ottawa Senators, and that's saying something. Sean Moses, not Sean Monaghan. He split the Red Sea, and then what? the defense just kept backing up and backing up. There were three guys back, and they basically went to the blue paint before they tried to step up on them. Yeah, it was just a brutal showing, and Stutzla starts to play off. The guys are kind of tired on the ice. He tries to chip it across uh, to get spring the other winger. I forget who it was, but that gets knocked down, so that's a turnover. And right away, Timmy knows, like, oh, crap, I screwed up here. You can see it in his body position. And then Monaghan gets the puck, starts gliding into the zone, and there's three players there, Stutzla, both defensemen, uh, Coburn and Zaitsev, and Monaghan slides in. They say, okay, he's sliding in. He's, he's getting closer. So they, what, they give him more space. Then they give him more space. And at one point, there's four Ottawa Senators all surrounding Monaghan who has the puck. No one else is covered. So if he decided to pass that, they would be even more screwed than they were. But even still, with four guys on him, they give him all the time and space in the world. And he rips one uh, for his first goal of this game. Like, that was probably the worst defense I've ever seen because all it, would, all it takes is one of those four guys to try to get a poke in on that. And that plays shut down. But they're all just watching. I don't understand that at all. And they're going to get reamed out in the film session after that. Holy crap. Yeah, I would love to be a fly on the wall in today's film session. Every Senator's defenseman, a minus on the night. Everyone was so excited about that Artem Zub and Thomas Shabbat pairing. They're actually plus one after the first period, which is uh, pretty wild when uh, Norris got the goal for Ottawa. It was just kind of a bang-bang play right at the top of the crease. Brady Kachuk looking for looking for his cookie, and the puck kind of squirted out right to Josh Norris. He made no mistake. Connor Brown getting the other assist on that goal. His eighth assist of the year. You love to see that from Connor Brown. But that let Zub and Shabbat be a plus one. They still finish a negative one. What was it with that pair? That was not a classic Artem Zub game for sure. That was easily Artem Zub's worst game of the season. You could say that for a lot of guys on this team, Tim Stutzla included. Definitely. But but a guy like Zub, who's kind of been like in that little niche with Nick Paul where every game would be, we've been like, we'd like what we see from him. Sure, maybe he doesn't move the needle fully one way, but he doesn't move it fully the other way either. You know, he's a consistent driving force. And this was a big deal. Getting your chance to play with Thomas Chabot is a big deal. But with 
with great power comes great responsibility, right? And now you're not going up against the second and third offensive lines of your opponents. You're going up against the big dogs. And that changes things big time. And to answer your question, what went wrong with them, it just seemed like Zub didn't really know how to play with Shabbat. Like there was times where both of them were going for the puck. Like I said, watch the goals where both defensemen are and they're both poorly out of position. One of the goals, he fully just blows a tire and slips and falls. And then I think it's the Derek Ryan one, the last one, and Derek Ryan just undresses the cord. No chance there. But he just didn't look comfortable. So uh, I never thought I'd say this, but this team really missed Mike Riley last night because that threw a wrench in the whole line combos. I think you want to see Shabbat Zaitsev. You want to see Riley Zub. And the double Eric uh, pair still needs some work, but those top four, I think we're pretty set. And I don't think you need to tinker with them when everyone's healthy. Well, everyone said, ourselves included on this show, that Eric Branson, he's a number six defenseman. Start playing him like that. Well, he played the least of any Sens defenseman in this last game. He was up near 14 minutes for him. And talk about a blowout. You know that's when the coach is just going to roll all four lines, like get them out there. There was a time where Ottawa, we'll get to that actually, but when you look at the bottom line, has Connor Brown ever been last in ice time on this team? Ever? I mean, he's probably top. He might still be top. He's either first or second in time on ice on, on average, but he played only 12 minutes and 30 seconds last night. So it was just one of those games. I feel like last time they lost to the Flames, we said burn the game tape, you know, kind of playing off the Flames name. But this is a learning game because the defensive coverage was so bad and you have to be able to point that out to get better. They have an extra day off, an extra practice day. Sunday is the finale of this seemingly never-ending games against the Calgary Flames. So I'm ready to see a new opponent. I'm sure you are too, Pilsy, between just Montreal and Calgary back and forth. This is now eight games in a row with just these two teams as the opponent. But after it was 4-1, did you see any pushback in the second period when Joey Decord was put in goal? Uh a little bit. I mean, I think it always helps uh, when your starting goaltender gets pulled like that. The team just kind of feels bad and try to band together because they know, like, that's not really fair that Murray is the guy that kind of has to gets hung out to dry on that and looks like the bad guy there. But before we move on to that, I want to I want to touch on to what you're saying about Connor Brown, because it is insane that he was the forward with the least amount of ice time. And you were saying is he's probably the leader of forward ice time. He's very close. Uh, his average time on ice this season is 1808. Only Brady has more with 1820. So just barely more. And that's when, you know, Ross, I think the bigger telling sign, not that it was a blowout, but that there were six power play chances for the Sens and only one power play chance for the Flames. Like, Connor Brown is a short-handed uh, minutes muncher. Like, he plays almost every opportunity with Chris Tierney, a short-handed. But the Senators, they get blown out 7-3 when you have six man advantage opportunities over the Flames only one. That kind of thing can't be happening. It, like, you need to... At least you don't have to capitalize on all those power plays, but you're spending so much more time on ice with an extra man. You can't be getting blown out seven to three. Well, the double minor was kind of the penalty, right? It was 5-1 at that point. And Sens fans, it's still fresh in the memory coming back from 5-1 to the Maple Leafs. So you're thinking, hey, if we get one, maybe two on this one, then we're in business. But the only power play goal they end up scoring is in garbage time to make it 6-2. So that's after Dubé scored in the second period. 
Then Dubé scored at the start of the third period. Another one of those momentum goals, a minute 17 into the period. But how much more momentum do you need when you make it 6-1? However, the Artie party wasn't closing time for him. He sniped one home. But I want to touch on a play that Artem Anisimov didn't make. And it's maybe unfair singling out this one play. But he was coming down the left half wall. And Stutzla's cutting to the net. He has a glorious opportunity. But Anisimov just didn't have the wherewithal to get the puck there. And he ended up just kind of fluttering with the puck in his feet for four or five seconds. That is where you need a more skilled player playing with the the guys he is. This isn't a 28-year-old Artem Anisimov who can play with Patrick Kane. This is a guy who's lost a step or two, and it's just it's causing his line to, to kind of sink a little bit. But, of course, hockey being as random as it is, of course it has to be Artie that gets on the board his second of the season on the power play. Nice to see a couple of young guys get the, the helpers on that. Uh, a two-point night for Josh Norris, too. Uh, kind of a sneaky one at that. But the real kind of, huh? When I put the eyes out at Sense Central on Twitter, when Ottawa made it 6-3, and this is our only Sense Central standout. We may as well get to that now because there's only the one of them. Ryan Dezingle I thought was fantastic in his first game. Yeah, the first two shifts let in. You know, he just wasn't positionally sound. He admitted that after the game as well. But what did you see out of Dezingle's re-debut with Ottawa? And we should mention... He's now on a three-game Senators point streak. He had points in each of the last two games before getting traded in February of 2019. Hey, still counts, still counts. I mean, yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought Zinger played an excellent game. <laughs> Tough way to be reintroduced to your new team on your first shift. You get a dash one. That's not what you want, but that wasn't really entirely on him. So we'll leave that aside for now. It was great to see the Senators have a guy with uh, Dezingle's skill set again. Like, this is basically, I would say, it's like, Dezingle's like a Galchenyuk 2.0, but one step behind Duclair. Like, that's kind of where I have him uh, as far as speed and offensive awareness go, but that was a great play by him. He turns the puck over. It's a bobbling puck. I think uh, Shillington bobbles it at the blue line for the Flames. Dezingle pokes it, and that's where you see the speed. He gets ahead of everyone else on the ice. Then he notices he's got a guy trailing in Colin White. So he slows up. He says, am I going to have an opportunity to feed this puck over to him? No, the defenseman is fully covering White. I'm going to have to take a shot here. He takes a second to look at David Riddick. Season opening, bang, goal. That's the kind of thing you need that the Ottawa Senators have been missing. We were hoping Dadnov was going to be that guy that can just carry the puck down the half wall and fire a shot and score like that. The Zingle is one of those guys. So, and he played a lot of ice time for a guy who was coming off quarantine trading, all that kind of stuff to be just thrown in there. He did really well on the power play. I thought I'm stoked that Zinger is back because he's the kind of guy that the Ottawa senators need in, in their forward group because Sure, they have the offensive talent, but they need those finishers. And I think Zinger, maybe he's not consistent, but he can finish on those plays like you just saw. Yeah, I can't wait until he moves his way up the lineup. I don't think it'll be long either. Another note, not our favorite note to report, but Drake Batherson's point streak is over at seven games. He finishes with seven goals and four assists during that streak. So won't be long before we see him start up another one. He is just far too talented Sunday the the next opportunity against Calgary as we mentioned who do you start in goal for that game Murray he's alternating now through his last 11 starts great save percentage horrible save percentage really every single start so he's due for a good one 
but is it time to ride Decord? I don't know. And that's a, that's a great stat that you pulled up. Like Matt Murray, this is the ultimate Dr. Jekyll and Hyde scenario, right? I forget which one's the bad one and which one's the good one. I don't know, but he just, he just had a, a good game before this and then just an absolutely atrocious game here in Calgary. I'm going to read through it just because it's that wild since February 8th. So he has a 941, 800, 929, 769, 938, 889, 967, 818, 964, and last night, 636. He let in four goals on 11 shots, Pilsy. Yeah, yikes. Tough one for me to uh, take take the Matt Murray at least 26 and a half saves on oh, betonline.ag. That did not turn out for me. I was actually kind of hoping part of me was thinking maybe Decord will get uh, pulled from this game. We'll see Matt Murray again, and then he'll he'll make up all those lost saves that I need him to get. But that, of course, didn't happen. Tough one for the attendees here. To answer your question, though, I think you got to go Joey Decord. Like, Decord is... He, I think he can handle this Calgary team. He just cut, gets put in a position where he can't really succeed here. So start to court, then get Matt Murray up against the Oilers on the second part, of the second part of that back-to-back. You know, if Dak's starting, we're going to be all over the Senators' money line at betonline.ag, the one place that has you covered, the one place that we trust at the Locked On Podcast Network. It's betonline.ag. And here's how you get your welcome bonus. You sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. And when you do, use our promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. How's that to make you feel welcome? You add $100, $50, bingo, bango, bongo, right into your account. If you put in 200, that's 100 free play dollars for you to go on to Pillsy's Parlay of the Day. Now, we are seeing a bit of streakiness with Pillsy's Parlay of the Day, but that should not sway you away and if it does maybe try what i do i always put ten dollars on pilsy's parlay of the day but then i put five dollars on each part of it and that way i'm hedging my bets but pilsy lead us in who do you have today what is our play I feel like I'm a, I'm a player that's on a losing team that has to answer to the media for this. So you know what? Uh, we didn't get it done. We didn't get pucks in deep. The other team played better. You got to credit them. But Pilsy's parlay of the day is struggling. We're going to take a look at the tape, and we're going to get right back into it at the next game and try to get those two points. So what I'm doing here... All these, I've really put some time into my parlays. I'm trying to see, you know, what teams are hot, what teams are cold. It's tough when the North Division, you're only watching Canadian teams. This time, I'm not putting any research, no thinking. I just opened up betonline.ag, saw the two things I like, and took it without any afterthoughts. I think you guys know where I'm going. I'm getting both my favorite parts of my parlay recipe, and we're going back to the tried and true formula. The Boston Bruins money line over the Washington Capitals at minus 125. Then the Tampa Bay money line at minus 187 over the Chicago Blackhawks. That's it, guys. I'm not going to try to get too fancy. I saw a couple other games I was interested in. and was like, ah, maybe I'm going to try to boost these odds. Nope. We're just going to get a good old-fashioned two points here. So Boston Bruins money line, Tampa Bay money line, risk $10 to win $17.63. Let's get back on the win streak here for Pilsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, 
your online sports book experts. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Senators podcast wherever you download yours and follow us on Twitter as well at Send Central for up to the minute updates regarding all things Ottawa and Belleville. Senators Belleville begins a two game set against the Manitoba Moose, but we have to start with the recap of their home opener. It was not great, but a bright spot. Igor Sokolov, a friend of the show, all around good guy. He scores his first professional goal. We tweeted out, Igor, you love to see it. Didn't tag him. And then I get a DM from him saying, thank you. Just an all around beauty. What did you see from that snipe? That's just the power of Igor Sokolov. Like that's what he's shown. Like it was, it was kind of a nothing play going on and he, he gets a shot off, gets a rebound and then blast that rebound past the goalie with like the other teams not even ready to recover. So that's a great job by Igor Sokolov. And yeah, just what, what a good guy. He appreciates uh, the, the shout outs. So we're going to keep shouting him out because he, he's looked, he's been a bright spot on this Belleville team. Sure. You, you can tell the skating is definitely a detriment to him and he's got to work on that. For but now. Other, for now, exactly. The positive parts of his game, like the power and his shot, have been there. So I think with some time, we're going to see him turn into a nice offensive player for this Belleville Center squad. Well, the offensive instincts are there. How about finding that dead space right in the slot? He was able to kind of peel off his check and open up ice for him. And goal scorers know that their job's not done till the puck's in the net. He gets his first shot off, and he's hungry to chase down that rebound and makes no mistake on that so the first of many professional goals i answered his dm by saying the first of many in that building at the canadian tire center and that is where they're starting a five-game homestand so that was game one they've got two against manitoba and then two against the laval rocket who they lost to a couple times but that was preseason right pilsy all the way back in february but it's logan brown's birthday he's 23 today which you're starting to look and Is that even considered a prospect anymore? What does he need to show? He left last game. He took a high stick, and I was like, no. But he came back right away. What are you looking for, not only from Logan Brown, but the team tonight to get back on track with Philly franchise starting in goal? Well, I I only caught a bit of uh, the Belleville Senators game, and from what I did catch – they were creating chances like Parker Kelly. That's a guy that I, I really like. And I'm glad that he's going to get an elevated role here in Belleville because he's a high energy guy and he, he creates a lot of uh, turnovers on the ice, finishing his checks, all that kind of stuff. So I love seeing that, but the Belleville centers were snake bitten here, Ross. Like they hit a bunch of posts. Uh, Alex Formanton had a couple of patented breakaways that he couldn't finish on. So it was just, it was tough luck for them. But I mean, when you're, one and one and four on the season you can only blame the luck so much right um if you if you guys are looking for good belleville content you got to follow our friend uh footy on air david foot he does great threads about what troy Mann says after the game a couple things he talked about is lassie thompson needs to be better but he's also the sen's best option on defense really so he's being put in situations that he's maybe not comfortable or ready for but that's part of the growing process here in belleville so that's fine as far as Logan Brown, yeah, he's got he's got to stay healthy. So I was just as nervous as you when he left that game. But he's just not doing the things that make him a good player. Like, he needs to bully guys out there. You have such a big frame. Start bullying guys. He, he needs to use his vision. Having a guy like Formanton on your line, like, that's a guy that you can set up and just 
head to the bench and watch him score. Set up Formington. These are the kinds of things that he's not, he's just not clicking. He just doesn't seem confident. And I'm worried that these little injuries that he keeps having are making him hesitant. And if he's not confident and aggressive, he's not going to be able to use his size to his, his advantage. And things aren't going to work out for him like we thought they would. When it comes to the defensive aspect of the game, now I know offensively they hit a ton of posts as well. And I love Troy Mann after the game. He's like, honestly, Sparks got lucky. Like a lot of times he didn't even know where the puck was in that game against Stockton. So I thought that was some good gamesmanship. I almost wish that they had been playing Stockton again to kind of see if you could get between the ears of, of Garrett Sparks in that sense. So offensively, that was the case. But defensively, they're relying on some youth. Now, Ole Alsing injured, so he's out of the lineup. But Lassie Thompson, Troy Mann said it himself. They don't really have another offensive option. There's no Branstrom. There's no Jordan Murray. So he's being relied on maybe to do too much. What do you think the sense is? Is that going to hinder Lassie Thompson's development going forward? Or could we see it fast-tracked? I don't I'm kind of in the middle of that. I don't think it'll hinder it, but I also don't think it'll fast track it. Like, I think this is a good opportunity for Lassie Thompson. Like, let's not forget, this is a first round pick. Like, the the pedigree for Lassie Thompson is high. He was the captain of the Finnish World Junior Team. Like, this is a guy who probably went from being relied upon and being a highly touted prospect to then struggling in Finland with Eels, being healthy scratch. Like, that's that's got to hurt your ego. So I think... Although it's going to be tough for Lassie Thompson to step up and be the guy in Belleville, I think it'll do good for his confidence. And that Troy Mann showing him, like, look, we don't have other options, so we're going to give you a lot of the responsibility. Let's see how you handle it. Let's see if you can keep up to the pressure. And if you're Belleville, not looking like they're going on a Calder Cup run this season. So, like, wins and losses aren't really that crucial. At this point, you're focusing on development. Get Lassie Thompson in those positions. If he fails, that's okay. We're going to work on it. But I think this is a guy that can be successful in North American ice. Maybe it just takes a little while for him to get back in the groove, though. It's going to be two young Finnish defensemen going to head-to-head. Vili Hainola, a big, uh, a big Finnish prospect who went just a few picks after Lassie in the 2019 draft. So that's uh, kind of our Manitoba Moose preview because we're just focused on getting Belleville back on track. Like offensively, I like the line of Logan Brown with Alex Formanton and Logan Shaw. I think that that can produce offense, but it's about getting these these uh, middle six guys putting a little more pressure on offensively. But like Troy Mann said, you hit half of those posts, bounce in rather than out, and you're looking at a completely different story. So we'll be following along Belleville and North Dakota. The Nodak Sens finished their regular season tonight. Kind of a who cares game from the standpoint that they've already wrapped up the Penrose Cup, but kind of cool. It's on TSN up in Canada, so TSN 3 if you want to watch. But where were they in the pod? Where were they earlier? This is kind of like, oh, they have open space. So you know where to come for the Nodak Sends news. It's the Locked On Senators podcast. Hell, we had the K-Train on just a couple weeks ago. There's a question asked to us on Twitter at Send Central about Tyler Clevin, and we're going to get to that and a whole lot more in a kind of an impromptu mailbag right after we tell you about rockauto.com. It's a family business that serves auto parts to customers, and they've been doing it for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. 
The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Put Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way, they know that we sent you. Reliable selection, the lowest prices. It's rockauto.com. All right, Pilsy, lots of questions coming through. An impromptu mailbag. We don't do these often, but maybe we'll have to pick it up. We do love engaging with everyone on Twitter, at Send Central. You can follow us there. Love the engagement rate on all of our tweets. And this one, we're already getting a ton, so let's get right to it. A quick answer from you all. I'll feed off of that answer, and then we'll roll through this. So I'm going to read these. These are the first time I'm looking at them as well. So David asks, with the expansion draft coming up, and Shabbat, the only must-protect defenseman. What teams with protection problems should the Sens be looking to at improve their defensive depth? So uh, in terms of the expansion draft, I would say not to worry about that until the trade deadline at the very least. I would even look uh, after the season, see what kind of movement goes on. But in terms of the defense, that is definitely, Pilsy, an area they need to improve on. Yeah, that's that's your number one concern for the sense is the defense. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, it, it's fun to get into the expansion draft talk. But until the trade deadline is over, and even after that, there's going to be so many different uh, moves being done. Like, I, I can see in the offseason after the Stanley Cup is awarded this year, <laughs> whenever that's going to be, that um, a lot of GMs are going to be making moves specifically designed to um, either help their protection or deal with their protection stuff. So I'm not going to get too into this because we can't really know anything till all the other moving parts uh, are happening. But this expansion draft is going to be electric. That's for sure. Hey, there's another question. Courtney Pollock at CPauls24 asks, how can the Sens improve stabilize their D in the short term, specifically on the right side? I've been a proponent that Eric Branstrom needs to switch over. It's the side he's more comfortable on. How do you think the right side should shake out here? Josh Brown, shockingly, is not the answer on there, and he's the only guy signed past this season. Artem Zub, expiring deal. Braden Coburn, expiring deal. Eric Branson, expiring deal as well. Nikita Zaitsev, the anchor on the right side with three years after this one left on his deal. Yeah, I'm with you. That's what you got to do is move Eric Branson to the right side. And DJ Smith talked about it. I think, uh, again, we're going to reference Ian Mendez's article in The Athletic. Great stuff there, as always. But he was saying, you know, he's kind of been planting the seed with DJ Smith. Are you thinking about moving Branstrom over? And every time it's been a clear no. Like, we're not thinking of doing that. And DJ Smith said that the idea with moving an offhand defenseman usually is only okay if you're you got a more defensive type guy playing his off wing. He doesn't like the talented puck movers on their off off uh, side probably because you know playing the puck on the blue line along the boards all those kinds of things gets a little more difficult when you're on your other side but if you're Branstrom you prefer that side so obviously you have that stuff figured out and you you like dealing with it like that so that's an easy move that can be done so swiftly that helps this decor so much because I'll I'll like let's let's do this by default like you said Josh Brown not the answer Braden Coburn not the answer. Eric Branson, not the answer. Christopher Linen, probably not the answer. 
that leaves you Eric Branson to go on the right side. Like, I think that's what they have to look into doing. And at the very least, give them a shot doing it. And if it doesn't work, then you can be like, ha ha, told you media, you guys are wrong. I'm the coach. I'm smarter. This is why I do this, blah, blah, blah. But until you try it, you, you can't really say much about it. That rolls perfectly into at Lesper 47. Zoop Zoop says, do you see any upcoming UFAs you can project helping this team take the jump specifically on defense? And when you're looking at players on defense, it's not that great this year. Like Tyson Barry is the, the top of the class. Dougie Hamilton, a right shot guy, he could help a team going forward. But beyond that, like if you're sorting it by points this season, Mike Riley, sixth among all pending UFAs. So are you, really, are you really going to get much of an upgrade? I like Alec Martinez if he'd come on a one-year deal, just a, a veteran guy who's won two Stanley Cups and shown that he can be a shutdown guy in a top-four role. He's a right-shot defenseman as well. Or, sorry, a left-shot defenseman, but who plays the right side. So I think that he could be a fit, but I don't know. I don't know if UFA is really the way the Sens like to go on a good year. So I think that you're looking more for – either a trade for a mid-round pick like we saw twice this summer with Gabranson and Josh Brown, or you just draft and develop and you stay patient. And then maybe unparalleled success is going to, you know, hold on a little bit longer. And that rolls into Pixel's question at Noah Pixel says, do you think DJ has what it takes as a head coach to push us to unparalleled success? How do you feel about that, Pilsy? That's a really interesting question because I think DJ Smith was specifically brought in here to develop the young guys. I didn't hear anything about Dorian saying he's a guy that's going to take us through deep runs in the playoffs or he's a guy that has championship pedigree or, or those kinds of words, right? That wasn't really the, the window that DJ Smith was put into. So what do we know how much longer is on his contract? Probably a three-year deal. He's probably got one more year, year left if I had to assume. So yeah, I would say he's one of the, if not the lowest paid coach in the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe that for sure. So, uh, well, maybe the Coyotes, uh, who knows what uh, their finances are looking like. But if you're looking at that window, I, I like DJ Smith, but I think once this team is ready to compete, I wouldn't be shocked if the Sens try, at least attempt to go in a different direction and get a more veteran experienced coach who has gone through those playoff battles as a head coach uh dj smith got merely sips of coffee in the first round as an assistant coach year after year <laughs> with the leafs so he has hey, not Mem gone Mem through there champ mem cup champ yeah definitely that's a long time ago and i would say junior hockey is very different experience so there, there's there's a bit to be said there but not enough so as uh, to answer the question really I wouldn't be surprised if once this kind of rebuild transition is over, the Sens go in a different direction. That's uh, really an interesting take. And I think that one that we'll monitor through next season, because at some point you're going to have to put this rebuild into overdrive because you're at 30th, 31st and 30th in the last three seasons. And you're sitting in last place in point percentage again. So when does the flip switch? When does the switch flip? <laughs> nice. And we got sends dipshit. If I'm not the one right now, he's writing in. Are you scared of what Pierre is going to do in the off season? Like I am, I feel like he's going to plug in a bunch of replacement level players yet again. Is that something that's a concern for you? No, not really. I think, I think people overblow Dorian's trades because you have to keep it with a grain of salt. 
he is he is one of the GMs that is very handcuffed by their owner, right? Like we've how many moves have we seen Dorian do where you're like, hmm, is that a Dorian move or is that a Melnick move? And there's a lot of them. And I think when you're looking at the trades he did this year, sure, we can we can go across the boards of how many strikeouts he's had this year. Like almost all of the trades he did to gear up for this season have been complete flops that's that's just straight up even Matt Murray is we're we're not sure where we stand on that one but I think next year he's not going to be looking for replacement parts like he was this year like Stepan Goody Josh Brown Watson all those guys were brought in to help the young guys not get throttled every night now that's that's still happening so not successful there but I don't think he's going to be looking for veterans who he's hoping will have bounce back years and can flip at the deadline he's going to be looking for long-term guys that fit the pieces that this roster needs next season because you just said it it's been three going on to four years of being dead last or second last in the league that has to stop and now it's the time to start focusing towards the future perfect segue into darcy cudmore our buddy's question how close are the sends to competing next season is it go time or is it another year of growth no, it's go time next season. There can't be any more growth. The you've got your prize, your prize jewels are are there. They've graduated. You've got, I mean, Kachuk and Shabbat obviously were already graduated, but you've got Brady, Timmy, uh, hopefully JBD and Pinto coming up. Norris has graduated. Like all these guys are have arrived. So now it's they're here. What can they do? And you have to be at least looking to push for the playoffs. Like, you're not a Stanley Cup contender next year, but you're pushing for the playoffs 100%. No doubt. For Thomas Shabbat will be in the second year of an $8 million contract, and Brady Kachuk's going to be in the first year of, of an what we hope is a, ma- a massive contract that's over a long term. So once you have your core pieces locked up making a ton of money, you're looking to make playoffs at the very least. So it's go time next year, Darcy. And will Logan Brown be a part of it? East Coast Sen wants to know, what is Logan Brown's actual trade value, if any, right now, Pilsy? This is really tough because I, I honestly have no clue. Like, it's it's so funny when you're looking at, uh, there's, a, there's a meme, I forget who posted it, but when it was when all the waiver wire claims were happening and teams were putting their really good prospects on waiver wires and how you view your prospect is like a brand new shiny car. How other teams view those prospects that are getting sent through the waivers is like a used rusty old truck. Like if, if they know that you're not invested in your own prospects, they're probably not going to want to take a swing on them. That's why a lot of those waiver wires didn't get picked up. So with Logan Brown, if it's clear the Sens aren't happy with him, he's not happy with the Sens, other teams are going to sour on that. And I don't know if you're ever going to be in a scenario where you're trading Logan Brown one for one. I think he's always going to be a part of a package deal. So I can't really narrow down his trade value, to be honest. But I have changed my position from let's keep Logan Brown, see what he can do. I think we got a real player here to let's try to move him while he still might have any sort of value. Drew follows up at East Coast Sen. He says, don't I feel like an a-hole suggesting a trade on his birthday? Yeah, come on, Drew. Jesus, send the guy a birthday card at least. Yeah, let's move to the draft. A couple of questions there. Ryan Hobbs at underscore Hobbsy 93. If the Sens end up with the top pick in the draft, would you prefer selecting one of the top defensemen like Power or Luke Hughes or a top forward like Kent Johnson or Matthew Beneers? 
admittedly, I haven't dived into uh, the next draft class. We'll have our time to do that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're going to have a long offseason to do that. And we'll get the real experts on to get into that. But from from the little research I've done and kind of following along here and there, I, I'm all about Matthew Beniers. Like that's sure it's probably biased because we got to see him at the world junior stage and we haven't seen a lot of the other guys, but what a dynamic center. The Sens do not need any more high end defensive prospects. That's for sure. So I'm, I'm all for getting a centerman if the centers do find themselves in the position to do so. And a lot of the top prospects, at least on the recent list that we saw our best buddy, uh, Tony Ferrari and, and Scott Wheeler's list. So many defensemen high up. If Ottawa gets a first round, first overall pick, and there are teams right behind them that want a certain defenseman, I would trade back as far as I'd say five and yep. try to get more assets. And knowing that, yeah, a lot of defensive, maybe one of the forwards you want, but it seems to me like there's two or three forwards Dylan Genther, there's uh, Kent Johnson and Matthew Beneers. I'd be happy with any of those three guys, but it has to be a forward. Like, come on, man. You've got so many defense in the system. And there's only six spots on the team, right? Where you, you can incorporate many more forwards. So I say at all costs, you go forward at the first pick this year. Yeah, I'm in a similar uh, thought process there. But oh, man, when's the last time a first overall pick was traded? Like that just like I'm getting giddy thinking about that because the, the trade rumors and the actual value of a first overall pick is insane what could happen there. Perfect timing. Yeah, I like how we're segueing all this, and I mentioned we're, we're getting these as we're talking. I'm not following along, just so you know, too. I'm just hitting these fresh. Well, this is perfect because Ron AA at Whitney Sankles asks, should the Sens trade their first-round pick this year as a part of a package for a top center? I think if you're the Senators, you wait for the lottery because we have seen the draft lottery can really change things because then at least you know what you've got. And then at least you have a concrete idea. Here's the pick we have and here's how we value it. Now, how can we move forward? Whereas if you trade the pick without knowing where you're going to land, that's an ultimate gamble. Like that's a coin flip. Either that can work out great for you and the team you traded to ends up getting a lower pick or as we've seen with the Senators, and it's happened with them and many teams involved, that can go the other way and you can end up getting a great pick as well. So I don't like the idea of trading that first round pick till we know what exactly it is. I think I agree with that unless the right option comes up. Not saying it will, but if Jack Eichel's available, you make your first round pick available. And he's not then... coming here. I, I've get, I don't have any interest in that because he, he's not going to come here. There's no chance. Yeah, I think that that's a fair statement. What about a UFA like Nugent Hopkins or Dougie Hamilton? We already touched on the defenseman, but the Clevin fan club. So, you know, we love that. Jordan writing in, would you want the sense to go after a big name free agent? I think the Nuge is going to get overpaid. I'd stay away from him. I think that he's kind of your second line center on a successful team. And Ottawa is developing a pair of those. I think you're going big or you're going home when it comes to centermen. And for me, Nugent Hopkins is not big enough. Yeah, I agree. I think the only interest I, I have in UFAs is if you're going for one of the top ones. So yeah, like Dougie Hamilton, I think would be a good example, but I don't think he would want to come here. And I don't think the Sens Tons are... of museums in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's great. Great point. Great point. But um, as, as far as forwards go, I think this forward core can get it done. Yeah, like, don't they touch need... it. 
Exactly. They need a couple of the guys to play to their expectations. But as long as whether they keep Dezingle or replace him with another fast goal scorer, I think that's that's the one little niche you do need is a veteran fast goal scorer. So get a guy either Dezingle or Dezingle-esque. Then I think the rest of the roster can do this. Like once Pinto's ready, once if you get a guy like a Bram, like a Bramov could be that replacement, just not a veteran guy. Um, there's so many options. Ormonton's hanging out. Ormonton, yep, that's another great one. Like I don't think the forward core needs that much more uh, tinkering with. They just need time to develop because, like you said, there was a streak where nine straight goals were scored by players under 23. Like these are, this is a young, raw group of forwards where the people you're expecting and counting on the most have a long way to go to reach their potential. So I think we're going to sit tight with that, but the defense needs some work because those defense prospects aren't quite ready to graduate, and that's going to be a struggle until they're ready. Mr. Gallant, Gallant underscore 99. Why were Balsers and Schlappick allowed to go for free? You can throw Christian Yarosh in that mix too. Surely they were at least worth a draft pick each. So maybe not Yarosh because he got Jack Kopaka in return. But is there any way this can not be constructed as mismanagement of assets? Well, the, the Schlappick one, you got to take that one differently, right? Because there were some behind the scenes things that were going on and the, the but had they one, known, it sounded like the relationship had soured going back to even mid last year. I feel like at that point, he had still had value of a fourth round pick or something. Yeah, definitely. But I think Schlappick's made it clear, or so it seems, that he's not even interested in playing in the NHL. I think he just wanted to go back to Europe. I think he was he was kind of tired of this. He thought things would go better for him. The Sens thought things would go better for him. It didn't work out. And I think he just wants to be in Europe playing hockey where he's more comfortable, which is fine. Like not every, not every hockey player wants to be the greatest hockey player in the NHL. If you can make a living and you're, you're happy in a smaller country with less pressure or closer to family and friends, that's great. So good for Schlappick where this is a real problem and my blood boils is losing a player of the caliber of Rudy Bolsters for absolutely nothing and losing him to the team that you snuck him off of like they probably thought Rudy Bolsters was just a throw-in piece that wasn't that great and he ended up turning into a legitimate prospect two-time AHL all-star yeah <laughs> what was that 16 game point streak in the ahl i get it wrong every time it was between 15 and 18 yeah i know <laughs> hey we'll uh we'll we'll boost it lower this time and it we was were only at a 13, half the games yeah it's only a 13 game goal streak for rudy it's not that great point um but the thing is like that was a real tough one because the mismanagement there wasn't kind of focused solely on bolsters it was focused on all of those left winger fourth line fringe nhlers because the reason they lost bolsters is because they kept schlappick and then they terminate schlappick's contract right and they could have sent a guy like michael haley down instead like that's a guy you're not worried about getting claimed like if rudy bolsters could have a real impact in this organization maybe not in the nhl but he would be a top six guy in belleville and they well he would have had to clear waivers though he would have had to clear waivers. So he was he was due to be in the NHL. Yeah, but but at least like they should have foreseen that and not brought him up if they weren't going to give him a real chance and kept him in Belleville until they figured out what they're going to do with that core of uh wing fourth line fringe NHLers, right? So it's it's just tough when you see assets that are seemingly not that important, but as a collection really alter your franchise and kind of ruin the development for the rest of your prospects in Belleville. 
that's that's tough and I miss Rudy Balsters and it's it's tough watching him go for nothing because yeah you could have got some value back for sure for a guy like that well so they would have had to put him on waivers either way but they didn't do it at the same time as there's like those two days where everybody's on waivers and teams are are so sure of their own pieces that nobody gets picked up like Mike Hoffman snacked through waivers there but then when you wait a little bit like Ottawa did then teams kind of know what they have and then yeah why wouldn't you pick a guy like Rudy Balsters up off of waivers Pilsy this is why we can't do mailbags because I'm not I'm gonna have to we're gonna have to ask every single one can't let anyone go unanswered only a couple more here that we have to get to this one is a fair question as well are you worried about the Matt Murray contract yet? And I think for me, a simple answer, yes. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely worried because this, uh, the back and forth is very concerning that he has a great game and then a terrible game. But this is also a, a new year, new challenges. He, he's coming off the worst year of his career. I think we're going to find out if we're nervous about this next year. Like year one of four, there's only so much speculating you can do. But how is this going to look next year in a normal season during an 82 game stretch on a team that's supposed to win? That's when we're going to find out, is this our guy? Did we overpay for him? Did we give him way too much money for way too much time? I'm not there yet, but uh, it's, it's not looking great. I'll say, I'll say that for sure. Like it's definitely not a win. Like I'm definitely not like, yeah, that's a great Matt Murray contract. (laughs) (laughs) One, uh, one final one here and it's a more positive one. What nice. do you expect from Tyler Clevin next year as he cements himself as a sophomore and a guy who can play up the decor in North Dakota? Well, normally or before uh, the season started, I would have said I would expect him to be a mean, hard-hitting uh, defenseman. This guy could be on a power plate unit once uh, JBD's gone and he gets a more you know, a more weighted role in UND. Like his offensive abilities have been way better than we had anticipated. I think he's even surprised himself. Like he, like he doesn't score a lot of goals in at all. Like even throughout his whole hockey career for, so for him to be putting the puck in the net as successfully as he's doing now, like I, he's definitely going to be a top four at UND. And I'm excited to see what he can do next season, because imagine if this guy grows even more, like he might not be done growing. Like this could be a huge defenseman that is better at handling the puck than we thought. We are a week away from the NCHC playoffs and the NCAA tournament will be right after Belleville in action tonight. The senators off until Sunday and we'll be back Sunday to break it all down. So we'll have two Belleville games to break down, and we'll be previewing the Calgary-Ottawa finale. Finally, or finale, whichever you prefer. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.